Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the always wonderful Nick Muhammad to talk about Ted Lasso and season three. Um, you know, and one of, one of the things in playing Nate and working on this show is it feels like you've always had such a sense ahead of time of where his journey and where his arc is building to, to be able to really play into and like build a lot of those nuanced choices into the character. And so once you knew where he was building to in the final episode of this season, going straight into talking about spoilers from this this last episode, yeah. <laughs> you know, and kind of that that redemption arc, how did you work to make choices to make sure that it would be warranted, that it wasn't just suddenly him turning around and saying, I'm sorry, and everybody forgiving him, but yeah. making small actions and choices in his everyday life so that he was also ready to come back into that place? Yeah, completely. I mean, I think it's it, similar to in season two when, you know, it sort of charted his downfall. It's just about pacing it, really, because, you know, I knew it was, well, maybe more so with season three. In, th in fact, I think it was probably a bigger ask of the audience to forgive Nate because in season one, we kind of grown to love him because we'd rooted for him and he got promoted. Obviously, then there's a downfall in season two, but actually kind of convinced people to kind of come back, you know, to kind of come back into you know, loving him again, I think was quite a, a, a tricky one. So the, the pacing was maybe slightly different, but I, I was always just always keen uh, that it was believable, you know, even though there'd definitely be some people who will never forgive Nate for what he did. And that's fine. But I think there had to be, you know, a critical mass of people who could at least understand where he was coming from and that, you know, we were allowed to make mistakes. And actually, you know, the show is about our capacity for forgiveness and hope and optimism. And so it was a, it was definitely a challenge to sort of get that across. And I remember partly because I was sort of desperate to know how quickly they were going to redeem Nate so I could get back into the locker room and hang out with the guys and hang out with uh, Jason and Brendan and Brett. But like, it, you know, they really stuck to their guns and they wanted, they, they felt it was really important to really show that sense of uh, loneliness and, and how abandoned Nate felt. Um, and, and they really did that by, you know, so much of like the first half of season three, Nate is literally on his own with his own thoughts. And you see him like maybe texting or you see him sort of scrolling and, you know, he's just sort of completely in his own head. And and, and, I, and I just remember thinking, wanting to sort of play every scene with a sense of like deep regret, like whether it was like going to be, he was going to be redeemed or f forgiven by the end, at least the, the sense at first that, oh God, what have I done? Even in that press conference, you know, we see him sort of rabbit in headlights and then he has a panic attack, which is, you know, obviously a direct parallel to, to Ted. And um, uh, and obviously he kind of comes out of it by spitting and he's suddenly got his bravado and he's really rude to the journalists and so on. But even within those moments, I kind of wanted to sort of try and at least sort of show some of like the, oh Christ, what have I done? <laughs> Why am I here? And um, And then slowly, slowly, and there are various sort of guiding lights along the way, not least Jade, but um, uh, and also just the others being able to willing to forg forgive him that he he's able to sort of come back into the fray. But he does he has to kind of go back home as well, sort of and convalesce and sort of you know make up with his dad, sort of go back to and, and you know I say make up with his dad, that's not that fixed. You know he's not suddenly fixed. I don't think you can fix sort of thirty years of his dad putting him down in his dad just saying oh yeah sorry you know I just didn't really know how to parent you I don't think that's quite quite enough but I think it does represent the start of a healing process and so those things are so important for Nate because he's been so without any kind of real support network for so long or a meaningful relationship that when those things do kind of come into his life he's then able to start making the right choices and all that negative toxic stuff 
that that was very seductive at first, you know, fancy cars, dating a supermodel, you know, being with a new fancy club. He realizes that they don't actually really mean that much to him. And it's no surprise that in, and this is a spoiler obviously, but for in, in episode 12 of season three, that when he's back, but as the assistant to the kit man, you know, he's the happiest he's ever been because none of those other things really matter anymore. And he's just back doing what he used to be doing, but he's had this epiphany and, you know, through the three seasons, he's he's grown that emotional intelligence that he sort of needed to. Sorry, that was right. a really waffly answer, sorry. No, I, I love all of those details. And, you know, especially what you're talking about in terms of his relationship with his dad, because obviously there's a lot for Nate that has always been centered around that relationship with his dad. And there was so much of him really wanting that kind of fathership connection mm. and approval from Ted. And, you know, he was getting it from Ted, but Ted had a whole team to look after. So he didn't feel like he was getting the undivided attention. Mm. And then we see him trying to seek it through Rupert's approval. And, and that then that work, kind of yeah. self undoing of, understanding that he's never going to get what he needs from him mm -hmm. um and so how did you kind of like start the season with him really seeking Rupert's approval and kind of like acting out in a lot of ways and trying yeah. to prevent present that bravado and then yeah. start figuring out where are the places where that starts yeah. to change from him where he starts to self-reflect and understand that this isn't ever going to give him back what he needs yeah and there were definitely moments in, in the start you know I think of there's definitely moments in episodes four and five and maybe even in sort of seven and eight when uh, Rupert meets Jade and things like that, like like where he does, he really does genuinely look up to, to Rupert. And um, I think I think it's episode four where he sort of confesses to Rupert. He says, oh, this is gonna be the first time I've seen Ted. And I, you know, I don't know how to handle it basically. I don't know what to say because the way we parted was quite, you know, cruel or whatever. And, and actually Rupert genuinely, sits down on Nate's desk and consoles him in a really nice and fatherly way. And obviously what you don't really know is that actually he's a complete narcissist and he's sort of, that's part of his sort of like getting his sort of tentacles around Nate and keeping a strong hold of him because I think he then possibly ends that scene by saying, make sure we win. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of, you know, he's got his own agenda as Rupert and, and Nate is, is clearly just a pawn and all that. Um, but yeah, there are definitely times when I think Nate does take stuff that Rupert's sort of giving him as like, oh yeah, and you know, life is good and I've got this. And even when he starts going out with Jade and actually it's Jade sort of seeing Rupert for who he is instantly. And like, Nate doesn't really even spot that, but I think clearly when Rupert is encouraging him to effectively cheat on Jade, that's when, and that's in episode nine, I think, that that's when Nate is suddenly like, oh, this, this guy is, we are just we're just so so different and he just makes that decision in that moment to believe and leave the club and just go to jade and just all they do is hug and so so much of it's actually unspoken for Nate. you know a lot of it is dialogue free a lot of it's um um you know just sort of show don't tell which is you know the writers are so smart but you know it's all scripted but it's not um you know it's not it's not uh it's not written down as dialogue so and i think they're they're so smart they've delivered another brilliant season I think and a great season arc for Nate because I was you know I was like really w not wary because I didn't think that they'd be able to pull it off but I was aware that there was there was quite a lot of pressure given the way season two ended in terms of sort of delivering this story and taking um uh, people on that journey and I I just felt the you know well the privilege to be still playing the part but that does come with a bit of pressure to sort of d deliver on it and um uh you know I just hope enough people have kind of come on that journey and uh, and have forgiven Nate as well and if they haven't that's that is fine because I think it's open to interpretation but clearly it's enough for some people and that that's the main thing
And because as you, you mentioned his relationship with his dad, isn't suddenly fixed and solved, but it's mm. the foundation of, of something that they can start moving forward from. And even yeah. the fact that there's such a specific choice in the fact that the two of them aren't suddenly like hugging and embracing, Completely. but when he reconciles with Ted, there's such a physical embrace and even kind of like the end of the match where like you literally jump into his mm. arms um, mm. and he holds you, you know, what was where did like the consciousness of those choices come from yeah that 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 was you know I had long chats with Jason about a lot of that because I I, I was when I saw the script for 10 and I was like and I was like I just want to check this isn't this isn't Nate and the dad fix because I feel like 30 years of sort of him putting him down you know he can't just make a little speech and then then that that be it and Jason was like oh god no I mean that's that's why specifically there's no tears from Nate um uh there's no he, he's almost in shock from it actually he's almost kind of like uh, and also Nate instigated it which is great Nate's never really done that he's always been quite passive um uh, you know or, or or at the whim of everyone else he really stood it for himself but in a really positive way and hopefully to make a positive difference but it was yeah it was really important that they didn't hug um and but it represents the start of something hopeful uh and of course the tears and the the physical embrace are just all reserved for Ted because that's his dad really you know that's and actually Jason was in my eyeline for a lot of that stuff you know which is cool um and and with the reconciliation with Ted and the fact that Nate writes a 60 page apology letter to yeah. him which kind of shows you how much he's just been sitting in his own head and in his own self um but I love that the props department actually literally wrote out 60 yeah. pages worth yeah. of a letter and I was I was interested in how like having a prop that, that was that in depth for your character actually helped you in terms of building the scope of what does this reconciliation look like and and how much has he been going around all of these things that he wants to say that some of them he'll probably say and some of them he'll probably never say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I took a picture. I got a picture. I mean, obviously some of it was like repetition, but the full, the first page is a genuine written apology. And I'll, I'm going to tweet it out at some point because I got it on my phone and it is like credit to Dylan, one of our writers, and Lizzie as well, um, and the props department. Um, and just got their heads together and they just wrote and, and it's there's so many there's so many real like kind of Nate moments in the letter as well like kind of it's quite funny to a degree but it's um yeah just the idea that he'd write 60 pages is quite is quite fun but um I I don't know like because you never I'm trying to think if you ever know that he sent it or not I think you have to assume that he's not I don't think he has he does does he send it in the end to, to Ted or does he just sort of go back I'm trying to think if there's, there's a reference to it or not I'm just trying to think now. No, he doesn't because he realizes because it's after that scene that he has the interaction with Beard, and Beard says basically, "You are forgiven. I'll see you Monday, ten o'clock." And actually, that that supersedes what the letter would have done. And then also, he then gets to have his moment with Ted in 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 the lock in the locker room in in the final episode. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that that kind of apology moment actually happens after he's already come back. Um, yeah, and obviously we don't get the chance to kind of see what it looks like when he walks back into work on that first day on that Monday yeah. morning. Did you and Jason talk about the idea of what you thought would have been at play in that moment? Because it's him walking back in kind of knowing that everybody's opened him coming back, but having a sense of unfamiliarity because he doesn't know how that dynamic has grown and, and changed I, and, and I, what I think, people have been through in the time he's been gone. I, I think the writers were really keen on not, on not showing scenes where we would not, kind of almost know what was going to play out in them because I because of course we would you know it's, it's an important scene Nate finally kind of going back to Richmond but 
but we sort of know what that's that would look like it would be him nervous and then accepting and then being pleased and that's great and so they just like no cut cut to him just there in the thick of it we're kind of two weeks after episode 11 in the kind of story time and um it's the same with Rupert and Nate actually because we thought about for a while Anthony who plays Rupert we were like wondering I wonder what is because we knew that obviously Nate was going to leave and what that scene might be like and in the end they were like we don't need the scene because uh, it's so much more powerful to kind of not see it because then everyone is sort of questioning why why did Nate leave and actually you know you would never put that scene is to a degree quite predictable because we know what the outcome will be even now even though we've never written that scene or seen that scene whereas who would have guessed that actually the way that they would examine that kind of relationship is sort of via Hannah make, uh, Rebecca making a speech to Rupert with all the billionaires and and Nate back home playing his violin which gets interrupted by his dad the way they kind of collide those story lines is so much more sort of smarter and intricate than than the scene that I think possibly an audience might have wanted to see, which is a standoff between Nate and Rupert. But we know what that scene is. Like, we don't need to see it, I think. And, and you're bringing up there the, the violin scene and that being intercut with Rebecca, because they're both very intertwined in terms of having been drawn in by Rupert's allure yes. and, and everything that he brings yeah. to the table. And then that sense of starting to realize that things aren't as they seem and trying to extricate themselves, you know, and the emotional scars that, that Nate has and will continue to have in the future, I imagine. And so did mm. you feel that Nate once he is making that conscious choice to step away from it in some way is also looking to Rebecca and looking at the journey that she's had in terms of internally trying to overcome it as well. Uh, possibly a little bit. I think it's part of his realization that Rupert is an absolute narcissist and that actually there is now a track record of people who, you know, who are in his wake, who have been, yeah, completely sucked into his world and his worldview, but actually I think I think Nate counts himself lucky that he's managed to kind of come out the other end. And it's funny that it's Rebecca who teaches Nate to stand up for him. You know, Rebecca is that connection. The spit is the Rebecca thing. You know, you know, you know, she does that whole tall thing. I make myself tall and I go into a room and, you know, Rebecca's obviously still going on her journey. And it's funny that, um, you know, Rupert connects them oddly because actually Nate and Rebecca don't have any scenes in season three. They're joined by by Ted, uh, by well, they're joined. They are joined by Ted, but they're also joined by Rupert, and that's that's their common thing. Um, and it's yeah, it's no surprise that actually it was Rebecca who sort of taught Nate the assertiveness that then definitely contributed to assertiveness turning into arrogance and you know overconfidence and uh, and cruelty. So yeah. And you were bringing up before, obviously, there's so many beautiful moments in terms of the unspoken language of the show. Mm. And even if we look at that last episode, kind of the, the entire, there's an entire conversation between Nate and Ted when they're in the locker room at halftime, right when everyone's going in for the huddle, but oh, not yeah. a word of dialogue is yeah, spoken between yeah. them. And so for you, what were some of the, the key moments for Nate in terms of, of this part of his arc and that, that reconciliation in terms of a lot of the unspoken moments that, yeah, that yeah. still feel so connected for you? It's all it's all the stuff with Ted, really, actually. It's all the, you know, there's there's moments when, you know, when they first encounter each other in the lift. I mean, it's it sort of played as a gag at first because Nate is revealed in such a funny way. And um, but then just that moment when they're just, you know, Nate's heart is right, they're just desperate for that lift to thing. And then he plucks up the courage to say something, he turns to him and tries to, and then Rupert steps in and he's like, no, no, no. And so that felt like heartbreaking and the fact that he doesn't shake his hand, you know, again, it's not it's not like a huge moment. There's no really dialogue in it. It's just that Nate doesn't do it. And then when you realise when he's I think the journalist mentions, oh, you didn't shake his hand. And he's like, uh, 
and then he excuses himself and then he wants to apologize to Ted, but Ted's then gone. And like, so, so much of it is this sort of yearning sort of feeling. And then, so ultimately, I mean, that's why that scene I think is so emo is so emotional as well in, in 12 between Ted and Ed, because it just feels like there's been so much sort of like pent up sort of like apology in, in, in Nate, like so much of like, what did I do? All this deep seated regret that he hasn't, you know, as much as he can make the right choices and have, Jade by his side now and you know Colin and Isaac and Will um uh forgive you know forgive him and then Beard forgives him and Keely as well you know because it was obviously very inappropriate with Keely in season two when he kissed her and even her in that continuous shot saying hey Nate great to see you back where you belong and she's like hey Keely that means something you know and and actually he he he, he amends those relationships in the order that he broke them which is great uh, ending with Ted um so he starts off with Will the Kitman, who he started being rude to in the start of season two. But yeah, to then get to that kind of peak with Ted and have that moment. And it's such a mirror to what happened at the end of season two, even in the way that they're kind of, it's shot and they're facing each other. And it was just like, oh, it's heartbreaking. And when we got to film that, that scene, and I mean, it's almost embarrassing to say, like it was on the last day of filming, uh, of, the, of the whole show, it was the last scene I filmed. And um and so it was all quite emotional anyway, and we don't we you know obviously we'd overrun for a fair bit. So this was like mid November, I think it was by that point, and um and we started rehearsing, and I just burst into tears because <laughs> it was too like because I was like I've been like like aiming for this scene since like season two, like since sort of like you know halfway through season two when he starts to fall out of love with Ted, and I was like, and I knew he was going to be redeemed, but I was like, oh God, please get us to this point because it's just too difficult and. And, and, you know, I love Jason, I love the whole team. So just to get to like, be like, I'm like, it just felt so, so, so much like release and so cathartic to that point. So we effectively sort of, I mean, we didn't film the rehearsal, but we were like, we we're like, we should just sort of shoot it because it needs to be an emotional scene anyway. But I was just an absolute wreck. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> and, and with those amends that you, you were mentioning, having Beard show up and, and be the one mm. to be like, you know, come back everybody wants you to come back. It's okay. I've been, mm. you know, here's my past and kind of sharing so much mm, of himself mm. for someone who is always very guarded with himself. Yes. Yeah, what did that mean to Nate to have Beard show up and, and make that amends with him? Because Beard was also kind of like the first one to really spot and cotton on oh, to the fact that Nate was acting out in the first place. Sort of the only, well, not the only one. I think some of the players did, but yeah, in terms of like, because Roy, Roy oddly is a little bit oblivious to it because Roy's got so much going on as well in, in season two. But yeah, Beard has clocked it and Beard clocks it from the off. And, you know, and, and you know, Nate is terrified of Beard because Beard's so unpredictable. And like, you know, there are definitely moments when I think Nate is like utterly terrified of Beard. Um, uh, so for him to show up at the point that he does, you know, even though Nate at that point knows that the players have forgiven him, for Beard to show up and, um, and to forgive him in the way that he does by telling him his, his story, which is wonderful. And like, Brendan is so good in that, in that scene. And that story is also so funny, <laughs> like the parallels with Les Mis and stuff like that. Um, it was that so, you know, it, and you know, that is what, that's what makes them the decision for Nate. Cause you know, even up until that point, even when the players show up at the restaurant, as soon as he realizes that Ted wasn't in on that plan, he's like, ah, no, it's not, sorry, I can't, I can't but Beard confessing to him in that way and being so emotionally vulnerable to Nate, given that he was the one who kind of was calling out Nate so much in season two and rightly so. The fact that he forgives him, that's great. That's a great sign. And that is enough to kind of get him to, 
to go back. And then obviously he knows, we know that that beat between him and Ted has to happen. But, um, but yeah, that's insane for episode 12. And there's so much with him in terms of reconnecting to his old self and who he used to be when it's being at home and and picking up the violin for what is clearly mm. the first time in a long time that he's done that. Um, you know, the, the callback to the, the suggestion box from season one that he has yeah. when they're all paying fines in that, the, that episode. Bit, but, um, yeah. And so here. how did you, how did you want to go into that journey of it also being really about him connecting with the idea of who he used to be in, in a really positive way? Oh, it's great. You know, it, it's lovely that that's the happiest he is, you know, even being back in the clothes, do you know what I mean? Like just back in the Richmond gear it's genuinely also just really comfy like it's really good you know bearing around in like suits and quite a gilet and uptight like turtlenecks and stuff like to just be back in a tracksuit was like oh this is nice like feel like I'm back home and you know just uh it was it was it was just great and I genuinely felt that feeling of um of uh of you know well loneliness when I was filming you know over at the West Ham and not really loneliness because obviously a lot of people are still around and obviously Anthony's so great and Eddie who plays Jade and um you know great to sort of do scenes with them but you know I was like you know there was a slight FOMO of like oh I wonder what they're doing in the locker room or wonder what the Diamond Dogs are chatting about and obviously I could read it but I wasn't you know wasn't filming those scenes but the opposite was true as well such that when when I was back in the fray I was like yeah I'll just hang around for ages and I was just even like even when it wasn't even like the camera wasn't on me and I wasn't even a scene I was in, I was in the background. I was like, I'm going to stay for the whole thing and uh, just hang out um, because it was just nice being sort of back on, you know, the sort of, uh, the sort of territory where I, the character was established, I guess. But the one difference when is, it of comes course, to... the hair. You know, the, course, the hair yeah. is like a constant reminder, I think, of what, what he did. So he's not quite the same, but he's learned from that experience, definitely. And when it comes to his relationship with with Jade, you know, you were talking about how she just immediately clocks Rupert and she also really sees Nate for who he is. It's like she doesn't mm. even want to engage in a conversation with him when he's kind of putting mm. on this sense of bravado for her. And it's not until he's really himself in front of her that it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so completely. it also is never that thing of, you know, having the girlfriend is like the justification and the bravado that I've been looking for. It's actually the necessity of having someone who sees me for who I am Completely. and pushes me to be my best self. And so how influential was that relationship for you in certain choices and actions that he was making? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I, I feel like, um, yeah, Jade is such a kind of a great guiding light in, in, Nate's, in Nate's story. And um, I, I think it's important to distinguish though that, you know, she's so supportive but and it's as a result it's a result of her love and intimacy and affection which he's frankly just never had really um that he is then able to off his own back as well make really positive choices for the better and he's sort of because because I think it was important for Nate not to be like just completely beholden to um well Ted in season one and season two and then and then uh, Jade in, in season three like she's she's so she's so she's such a kind of uh, like guiding light is definitely kind of what we would sort of like we would talk about because she just allows him to sort of be be himself she's sort of she's sort of the, our way into sort of seeing who Nate really is um and his true self and yeah the fact that she um you know doesn't take any sh shit it's because she doesn't need any of that like she's not into football really she's not into the bravado she doesn't care that he's with West Ham he's dating a supermodel she's like well whatever well she's gone yeah and it's only in the moment where he sort of realizes 
and you know he's all maybe even able to sort of like laugh at himself a little bit and she just sort of sits down and then they just sort of chat and it's just it's just a moment and it's just a small thing and but it but it builds and of course that relationship it's easy to think that that relationship sort of almost happens immediately but actually I think episode five where there's that first I mean you know I think Nate has always had sort of feelings for Jade for a while but has never really plucked up the courage I think in fact that one of the first times that we meet Jade he asks for her number and she's like absolutely not because he's all kind of bravado and stuff um in season two that is and um uh and then yeah but then between episodes five six seven eight and nine and ten like there's quite a long time like there's months and months and so I think I think for some it felt like oh it's quite hasty that Sonny's got this relationship and now Sonny he's you know they're with they're together and you know they're making all these decisions but but actually that that relationship lasts like last months um uh just because sort of like the timeline of the show sort of follows this football season so it's it's a lot it's a lot longer and you just yeah she's just so such a good force for good in his life and I feel like because of Nate, we also have to talk about the belief sign because that's also been at the center of his story so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love the fact that the security footage that they had of him coming into the office, starting to cause destruction, and then having to hide under the desk was something that you had to film and actually like hide under the desk for like yeah, a good 45 did, yeah. minutes plus in yeah. order for them to be able to then speed up the footage. Um, and so what was that like in terms of just like actually having that moment where you're filming that footage, you're filming that destruction, you're sitting under the desk and kind of festering in it the way that Nate would, Nate yeah. would have been. And then coming yeah. back later and filming the scene where he's watching all of the players kind of put the pieces back together of what he'd broken. Yeah, it's real. I mean, it was really fun because, like, because also that's you know the, the security camera footage is all sort of such like new information for for you know we think that we know how that ended in season two, but then like the fact that we kind of get to sort of sort of then see all these like little extra tidbits um, in season three in terms of like oh well what really happened and you know even like him having to stand on a chair to kind of reach to get the sign down in the first place you know even that is like played as a gag and that's really fun. And so yeah, that that was that was good. It's good to kind of almost revisit that that sort of territory because obviously that was such a toxic day for Nate and so kind of key in his storyline. So it's fun to kind of go back to that, um, albeit that it was then going to be reframed in a different light. Because I think in episode four he, they show the players that footage to kind of wind them up right to kind of get them angry, and then in episode eleven Ted shows it to Beard to show, look look what he had to endure, and actually it's possible to forgive and then obviously we learn about Beard's backstory um uh, so that was fun um goodness me that 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 scene when they the players have actually got a piece of the sign and they put it all down I mean that was great I loved that I mean like, we were like when we learned that that was going to happen and we were like oh god it's not going to be a dryer in the house it was uh it was yeah it's a tearjerker that one so yeah and then when it came to filming the the victory in that final match for the season, mm. you know, Nate's obviously, you know, he's sitting there clutching all the water bottles in one of the seats. He's not on the sidelines the way that he got to be before. And mm. so there's this physical distance from Ted and Roy and Beard mm. until it comes to that final moment of play and they need him, you know, they need yeah. him to kind of like come back to being a central part of the team. And it, yeah. it harkens back to a play that he was coming up with in one of yeah. the previous seasons yeah and so what what was the dynamic that you wanted to capture of just everything that that means to him in that moment of I'm not just back here I really yeah. am part of the center you know I really am a part of yeah. the team again well, I think what what's important is exactly that that it's not about him either it's not about him proving that his tactic works and that he's the wonder kid you know or anything like that it's just it's just that he is one of the team he's so grateful to have a voice again um 
and to see the players work together um, since when that goal hit, you know, when that goal goes in, just that celebration just between the, all of them, it's not, he's literally celebrating for Richmond, you know, he, it's, it's, it's such a lovely, a lovely um, moment because there's no sense of sort of selfishness or, or cynicism in it. You know, he's done it just because he just, just wants them to win and you know he becomes obsessed with Richmond actually from episode eight like there's lots of moments where he's kind of clocking the tv and reading uh Richmond reports on and you can see in him like he he's he's keen to kind of see them do well um you know and so yeah that's love that's lovely that it ends it ends that way and you were mentioning that you know you were filming all the way up through last November and so it's been several months since you've had the chance to kind of be in Nate's shoes so to speak and what have you missed the most about playing him since you filmed episode 12? Oh goodness um well it's been because I, I was going straight into sort of doing like a live like a theatre show so I kind of didn't really have too much time to sort of think about it and then before I knew it it was like March or whenever season one came out and um, I was like, oh, crikey, here we go. <laughs> Let's start watching it. Because, of course, there was a rolling delivery of all the episodes. So even though they were sort of still being edited and I was going in to do ADR and things like that, they, they were all, you know, early episodes had started to come out. So um, it, it didn't feel like that there'd been much time in between it at all. I think, you know, so between November and March, but I'd been busy until the end of the year. So it was like suddenly three months and we were into like production and we were doing kind of press for it and stuff, uh, into, into it going out, sorry. Uh, and um, and doing press for it, so it didn't feel like that long at all. I mean, to be at this point now, um, it feels like that's a long time since when we when we shot it. Like, um, but I think that's and again, it's what it's six months, isn't it? But actually, that's partly just because of the journey. I think that everyone's gone on and Nate has gone on in particular to get to this point. I'm like, yeah, hooray! We kind of finally get to this point. Can talk about it all openly. Can say I knew it was going to be redeemed all along, and you know, and it's just nice to. It's nice that it's finally sort of shared with everyone. Um, yeah. I love that. And you really have put so much into him as a character over these three seasons. And I love everything that you've done with him through, oh, you know, you. looking back at who he was when we met him in episode one and the mm. entire journey that he's gone on up to this point. So thank you so much, Nick. It's always such a pleasure oh, to talk to you. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye.